All right, everybody. Other Life Podcast, best podcast about philosophy, science, and internet culture might be one way to put it. I'm experimenting with different taglines recently. I'm really trying to kind of narrow down the focus. It's a hard thing to do yeah. when you do a podcast from scratch, talking about all kinds of crazy stuff, you know? Yeah. Folks out there, thank you for joining. As always, I am here with my new friend, Christian, also known as Bitcoin Sign Guy. You might remember him from a pretty epic meme, what, a couple years ago now, right? It's been a few minutes. Yeah, where, as you can see in the thumbnail of the video, he's behind Janet Yellen holding a sign that says, buy Bitcoin. I'm very intrigued to know the background of that epic meme. I don't know the story yet, but I'm looking forward to, to learning about it. I, I met Christian last night at an Urbit meetup in Austin, and I said, you know, how long are you in town? I think you should come on the podcast. And uh, I was delighted to learn that he, he's, he's a fan of the podcast, actually. He fucks with me. So I was very pleased that that boosted my ego, <laughs> and it made me all the more eager to, to, to wrangle him in here. So here we are. We're going to talk about, in this podcast, Urbit, Bitcoin, the history behind the epic Bitcoin sign meme. And more generally, we're going to learn a little bit a little bit more about why uh, Bitcoin sign guy has now become Urbit guy. He's very interested in Urbit, specifically connecting Bitcoin and Urbit. He's kind of leading up the project of that. So I just want to learn from Christian a little bit more about him, some of his takes. I know he's uh, uh, he's got some interesting philosophical ideas as well. He's a Christian man as well, so we might, might get into that. And uh, yeah, I'm, ha I'm looking forward to having this. So that's what you can expect in this conversation and with that as a bit of an introduction no more further ado how you doing today i'm well thanks for having me justin <laughs> totally it, it was nice to meet you it's uh, i always appreciate when you can uh, meet someone that you've you know seen online um just come morphing out of the ether at a you know it's usually a bitcoin conference or an urbit meetup or something like that where it's it's like there's you you already have some some knowledge of the person and you you can also just say you know Justin uh, to to someone who would otherwise be a complete stranger. It's awesome, man. I was very impressed by the crowd last night. Yeah, they there were girls too. <laughs> there were girls. Um, it was it was really cool. Like the people I talked with were all super smart, super interesting. There were girls, and it was just like generally a good. It was really high energy vibe i was impressed i mean not no disrespect to urban of course but i was no. kind of mentally braced for like yeah maybe it would just, just be like, like 10 dudes like in yeah, a room yeah, talking yeah. about code or something i thought maybe no. that's what it would be but it's not this beautiful place uh outside backyard with barbecue and tacos and beer and it was just awesome dude yeah it's a you know tasteful banter <laughs> yeah so i met a, a bunch of met a bunch of cool people one one of whom you know is you and i think we got to just start off with the 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 low hanging fruit. I am genuinely quite interested to learn sure. how that that meme came around. Um, why don't we start with? I'm sure you've probably told this story before, but could we just start with why were you even in the room with Janet uh, Yellen? Like why? What was the context that got you there? Sure. So I was interning at a think tank in Washington D.C. at the time, uh, trying to do some quasi formal study on Bitcoin uh, as a monetary experiment. And uh, working for a monetary, you know, center within this think tank, um, the the duty arises to go as an intern and cover events on the hill. So okay, I, I, always, I always assume that the people who sit immediately right behind the head the the head honchos must be like really important people. But apparently, it's like in, the, in interns in the first row. Uh, but the second row in those congressional rooms, if you've ever been, it's an interesting experience. Um, the seats are usually availed to the public. And so I got that seat 
pure, purely oh, in, okay. a, in a random fashion, I got there early. I wonder if they changed um, the policy after you. They're like, maybe yeah. this prime real estate well, shouldn't well, be open to anyone. Well, if you if you watch the whole video, it took about forty five minutes for the meme to propagate online, and then uh, you know the cybernetic system to cycle back on itself. And then at which point I was escorted out. <laughs> oh, so they, they caught you in they, the middle they, of it. They, and booted, they, they, they booted my ass. Interesting. <laughs> and how, what was the fallout? Like, did you get fired from your job or what? Uh, in so many words. <laughs> okay. I mean, they made me an offer I couldn't refuse. I see. I see. But also a lot of Bitcoiners came out of the woodwork, right? And they, I think they gave they, you a lot of they, money. They, they, they did. Uh, you know, it was my, it was my, baptism by fire into the Bitcoin community. And looking back, I can, I can very clearly trace my, the effectiveness of my, you know, Bitcoin work to just the connections that I made off that, off the, I, I wouldn't even call it a stunt. It wasn't intended as a stunt. Right. I had my entire life up until that year, I was intending to go into finance, uh, you know, and go be a, Go be a master of the universe, uh, or Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, but he's he's a come on man. He's he, he's from Long Island. <laughs> uh, okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, right. He um, the uh, you come from that fine come, waspy blood I, or what? I, I guess I I come from Connecticut. So uh, I you know, see. The, so you look down on the, the Wolf of Wall Street types. So, so so the only I mean the 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 heroes like the the cool dads at, you know growing up all all worked in new york mm -hmm. wore wore suits uh you know worked in markets and so it's an interest in markets that got me reading you know free market theory uh at an early uh age and then from there uh once i once i came of age to actually have internships in the financial services um it it didn't take long to realize uh, essentially the phoniness of uh the monetary system uh, it completely did not comport with the things that I was reading is, you know, a, you know, a, a wet behind the ear, you know, libertarian or free market <laughs> libertarian. So I, I don't even, you know, necessarily claim like strong ideology anymore. Um, but to, to have, uh, the dissonance of, you know, working at a global macro fund uh, and being forced to cover Fed testimony, you'll realize quickly that um, pri the price level is set on the basis of the, the words that Fed officials utter and entirely not uh, fundamentals of the economy. It's not predicated on uh, productivity or you know, certain production metrics. And, and when it is, it, it's not to say that those, that those metrics don't influence the price level, but they influence it uh, through the filter of, well, what will this induce the Fed to do with interest rates? Right. Okay. So, so you, there's, there's the filter. So you come from this kind of well-to-do Connecticut family groomed to be a <laughs> successful, high-class, yeah. high, high-net-worth individual yeah, the, on, on Wall the, Street. The groomers had me. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, That's right. And so I, I, I had enough of these experiences. One global macro in Connecticut. Another was a I worked on a trading desk in Argentina and saw you know just how messed up their uh, mm -hmm. their currency situation was. And after I had strung a few of these experiences up, I realized you know the this is basically phony uh, and you know a a fabrication. And 
at that time, I had probably heard the word Bitcoin for the third time. So I decided to really look it up and you realize, oh, damn, this is this is the antidote and perhaps even, uh, you know, a financial opportunity for for oneself. So, OK, so you first got Bitcoin pilled in. Was that 2016? Yeah, or? about about 2016. I was I was heading down the proverbial rabbit hole. And how long between getting Bitcoin pilled and pulling the sign behind Janet Yellen? Uh, I guess about a year and change. It was okay. uh, it was summer of 2017. So I just fairly it's fairly rapid radicalization process. <laughs> I, I, yeah, it's we're we're accelerating. So over here. I'm curious to know what what was the real motivation for you? Was it oh, like a, it, it a was, kind of it was yeah. it wasn't like even it wasn't discursive at all. Hmm. So I used to cover those testimonies. Uh, the people that I worked with uh, cover those testimonies. It was just a sort of a high pop type moment. Just like, hey, look at me. I'm on TV. Uh, I'm going to hold this sign up, take a screenshot of it. It will be my personal souvenir of, you know, flipping off the establishment. But oh, so you did it on a whim in the moment? It, it was it was on a whim. Oh, okay. So it wasn't some kind of planned strategy of any kind. You're no. Just uh, many, having, ha many have accused me of being a plant. <laughs> um, but no, it was the there was a confluence of many just random Random factors. Basically, all, right. all I knew is that because I used to have to watch those for my job and take notes on them, uh, I just knew the camera was on. And I was like, oh, this is, uh, this is filed on C-SPAN. I can go get it later and uh, take what, a screenshot. Okay, so if it was kind of just a spontaneous joke in your mind. Yeah. Now, was there something in the back of your mind, though, an awareness, thinking, I could maybe get in a lot of trouble for this, and it could also maybe be cool? I mean, I I guess I was always sort of a you know dummy kid who right who, who I I did dumb stunts in high school like so a class clown kind of I I mean I was I was too good to be like sort of the certified class clown but <laughs> I was I was up there I got you so you just have that kind of rebellious streak where you just always want to kind of test the waters in provocative ways I guess perhaps I mean I it's not even rebellion I I um I mean I'm. I present in a very buttoned up manner, um, okay. but, uh, but I, I do, I do like to, I don't know, flick people occasionally. Okay. Interesting. Now, so I'm getting the vibe that you, you see yourself as like still wanting to kind of represent the, the, the well-to-do Connecticut mainline. <laughs> am I right in sensing this or am I, I mean, wrong? Well, look, man, prep is eternal. Okay. <laughs> prep is a uh, prep is Lindy because it's a, it's immune, it's immunity to fashion. Effectively, you Preppiness. can you can you can buy a, a white Oxford shirt and it will last you your whole life. You know, mm -hmm. you don't have to you don't have to chase fashion. Uh, you can you can form your identity through through other perhaps more more meaningful ways. OK, I like it. So so you resent the idea of being classified as a as a degen crypto meme maker. I mean, <laughs> It's a, uh, it's a fun, you know, it's a fun community. And, yeah. but, uh, yeah, I, it wasn't my necessarily in, intention to be, you know, like, uh, trying to right. commit an act of terror. So then I guess it's fair to say that the impact of this meme was greater than you calculated. Certainly. You were not, you were not expecting that. Certainly. And but, but that's, that's virality. That's right. 
that's getting way more than you bargained for. The Bitcoin world is interesting because if you make a major contribution that's only mimetic even, yes. it can get you a ton of social capital yeah. and, or, and, or, and real or, capital. Or, or, or lose you. <laughs> or lose uh, you. Yeah. Or lose you. I mean, the the salty no-coiners, uh, I, I was chatting with my good friend Bitstein today and, uh, you know, the 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 scorn for no coiners is like equal and opposite to the you know the the praise the praise for for good bitcoiners is it public record how many sats flowed into your wallet from that event yeah you can you can go you can go find the chain analysis on that oh <laughs> dude can you tell or is uh, it, i don't want to pry you know you, 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 they, it's it's public knowledge <laughs> well then tell me uh, damn all right docs in my docs in my docs in my it's stats public, no, so not... it, it's okay no um there were i think like seven coins so the bitcoiners are hell a, yeah are a very generous bunch those and this was in 2016 yeah it, it was spread over about 400 donations I, it wasn't my atten- <laughs> like like obviously Bit- oh no of course Bit- bitcoin bitcoin clearly um it it accelerates everyone into the grift into the like grift economy you know <laughs> bitstein says everyone's a scammer so everyone's <laughs> looking for more bitcoin but um, the reason why I actually solicited donations was because shortly after, um, like that day, I found someone impersonating me online, trying wow. to trying to claim um, like Bitcoin donations. Well, and I thought, well, I don't really want it, but I'm not going to let this fucker take it. So. Okay. Well, do you remember what month this was? This was July 17th. July 2017. You got, what did you say, seven Bitcoins from it? Yeah. So we'll have to do the math. Stop, we'll have, stop, we'll have, stop making it easy to chain, chain analyze me. Oh, I'm just, I'm fascinated. <laughs> uh, someone out there right now is doing the math. They're looking at the price of Bitcoin yeah, exactly. uh, back then and how much exactly. you've made For- all, since then. But that, no, I mean, it's awesome. And of course, like, there's so many accusations of b- people being grifters, but like, no one in their right mind would try to do this type of thing just for possibly. It, it getting famous and getting money because there's a high probability with any given m- mimetic opportunity, even if it's fire, there's just a massive stochastic element. So you never yeah. know for sure. Yes. You can't do crazy provocative memes for the clout or for the money because it's too stochastic. Yes. So, and that's one of the reasons why you get so much credit when it does happen. Yeah. Because if you do a crazy thing that becomes a meme, yeah. it's, it, it's kind of proof that you're the real deal Yeah. because you can't fake it. If there's too much of a random element to to fake it so you actually if it does happen you get a lot of credit because yeah. it, it's a costly signal yeah yeah i i sh- n- never mind there, there's something that i <laughs> on on stochastic uh stochastic outcomes i um yeah this is total non sequitur okay. and uh i i really ought to not i'll be canceled but um in in high school i was uh into acting and i i did an audition for a school play like trying to get the lead um by doing the uh, unforgivable monologue i don't okay. know if you've ever remind seen remind me oh, no i i, I won't <laughs> I, I, I won't but like uh, you know things can backfire you know okay yeah definitely definitely well um if you're a provocateur you know you you, ha- you have your your wins and your losses that's for sure so okay all right so that had a massive fallout you basically got more or less pushed out that was your kind of final break with traditional finance yeah and it was a warm and, welcome and, into, and into the point, world of bitcoin you know my my pop texted me you know head west my son and uh made my way to san francisco meaning your pop was telling you to get the fuck out of here or well you know <laughs> he was embarrassed at the oh yeah at, at, at the beginning um it's only recently that he's turned turned around on bitcoin uh and is, is he like a big name no, uh, like, okay. like he, he's a he's a sort of lifetime uh, yeah. Wall Street type, sure. but no, he's not um, 
he's not like a, an overly public person anyway yeah. um right so he sent you west and so, you, so, what, what'd so, you do go to san francisco or yeah what? i went to san francisco i worked for the the best bitcoin fund i i could find and i was basically excited to take my institutional vocabulary and apply it in the surface of sound money and that um i did that for uh, a little while simultaneously urbit the urbit people at at talon they became my social circle in san francisco interesting and uh at you know one thing led to another and i you know added added urbit to my collection of rabbit holes yeah perfect segue so when did you first become bullish on urbit um i guess um it, it wasn't it wasn't right away it was, i you know i thought okay it's a computer uh you know these are like there's there's very heady art fag energy um <laughs> and i i like it you know i'm i'm an art fag whatever uh but uh, i didn't understand exactly where it was going uh i just knew that curtis's you know gesticulations uh about you know like oh well we're the internet is fucked and we're gonna find a, a new way of doing things uh I, I knew it i knew it was ambitious whatever it was and then after i had after my appreciation of bitcoin had matured uh i realized well a personal server is a tool of sovereignty so a bitcoin node is a personal server that serves the bitcoin blockchain and uh you know that's that's for monetary media what about all other media so you use uh dozens of platforms to manage the other media of your life your documents files photos text messages emails etc and uh you know if if money is as confounded and completely striated as as I found it to be, then you know it, the same probably applies for content. You know, Zuck is doing to content uh, what you know the Fed does to money. You know, they they chop it up and they press it into service of uh, you know insiders, Cantillon insiders, data Cantillon insiders. So the, insiders. the the use case that you had in mind when you first got bullish on Urbit was really around creators. Um, it was about it was about acquiring internet infrastructure that is important to maintain uh, basically a, a, uh, a, a sense of reality. So mm -hmm. if you're not recalling something from memory uh, or looking it up in a book, you're querying a database for that information. So if you have, uh, if database, databases today on the cloud web, web 2.0, they are politically slanted spaces. Would you agree with that? Sure. Okay. Very politicized. Yeah. I mean, whether wh so wherever like, you sit on the spectrum of ideology, uh, you have to sure. grant that it's politicized. Sure. And, sure. And, and I don't mean to take the cheap shot at like, oh, politics bad, you know? Yeah. Democracy good, but politics bad. Uh, it's, they, they are contested spaces. They are contested totally. systems. So everyone's always belly aching over like what Facebook should count as a fact and what should be scrubbed from it. And like all of these interminable political conflicts over these, uh, these websites. Yeah. It sucks. Exactly. It's so horrible. if you want to, if you want to own a scalable digital version of reality, uh, it, it should happen from a piece of 
data infrastructure that belongs to you, that you actually have equity in. Totally. And so what clicked for me for Urbit was that, you know, Bitcoin, I was, you know, r trying to run a Bitcoin node. And I thought, well, if I should do this, then, oh, wow. Oh, oh this was what Urbit was making. They were making the personal server for the rest of the rest of your, you know, content footprint uh, online. So that's where I realized that the two should obviously be hitched. I don't know if I have been colonizing Urbit in the name of Bitcoin or, uh, you know, using, uh, using Bitcoin to, you know, shell Urbit, uh, either or, but I, I would like to see the, the two systems benefit each other and, uh, you know, accelerate things so that we can get the hell out of here and you know get on to whatever comes next because this is like a long pregnancy right now definitely i i definitely see the connection for sure and i find it quite exciting as listeners of the show will know I, i'm kind of increasingly interested in urbit i'm increasingly intellectually attracted and, and convinced in a way and what i see happening is that in the digital context you have the all of these non-linearities and power laws when it comes to individual content creators getting bigger and bigger basically. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, just as we see New York times journalists finding it in their interest to defect from the New York times in favor of becoming their own publisher on, let's say a platform like Substack, the ultimate endpoint of that dynamic is going to be when content creators realize, oh, what if I could own my own internet land? What if I could go from being a publisher to being somewhere between a real estate mogul and a king or a queen? You know, actually becoming like people like, you know, whether it's Mr. Beast or whether it's, you know, writers like Matt, Matt Taibbi or whatever, really successful creators are going to realize there's a way in which I can look at this entire networking model in a slightly different way. There's these kind of competitor paradigms like Urbit and, oh, you're telling me I could switch to this different paradigm and own scarce real estate on this other competitor internet that would basically make me like the king or the queen of private scarce real estate that to me is the logical endpoint of the accruing power that's going to the the biggest creators so i i see that as a very very compelling pathway that will at a certain point possibly make something like urbit seem as inevitable as bitcoin sure so you know there will be no antitrust action against Fang. There will be no antitrust action against the banks. Uh, the only way we can dissolve this power down to a more natural uh, personal level is through unimpeachable software protocols. So Bitcoin is a monetary protocol. Urbit is a, a collection of social protocols. And using them, uh, you take the concentration of equity that's in stored in Google and Facebook and their peers, and you can meet it out to a larger number of people that can can own the 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 spaces they occupy online. Yeah. So I'm I'm definitely increasingly interested and in, and convinced of that. I might even say. So the next step, as I understand it, on your roadmap for the the Bitcoin. Urbit integration is you're working on this Bitcoin wallet project, yes. right? So, so why don't you tell us a little bit about what that integration looks like and maybe help people understand a little bit more concretely, like when Bitcoin comes to Urbit, what concretely will that let people do? That's cool. Sure. So the, the goal is very simple, make 
Bitcoin, the monetary primitive of Urbit. So Urbit is an operating system designed to be your personal server, and it's not trying to be a new money. Uh, it's not. It's not going for that shitcoin niche. It doesn't compete with Bitcoin in that sense. So the idea is to have a Bitcoin library that is deployable in any application that you might want to run on your Urbit. And so we started by letting you integrate a Bitcoin node, import uh, data directly from the Bitcoin network into Urbit. Now we are using that to build a wallet that is based on, uh, that, that enables a free, free choice of what node you're bringing to the table. And uh, now once we release it, it will be mainnet Bitcoin. And then from there on, we will develop it into the Lightning Network. If if you don't know what the Lightning Network is, uh, you can Google it. And there's, at this point, probably hundreds of explainers. My audience on is it. pretty savvy. Okay. It's just an yeah. extra layer that makes it faster a, and cheaper, an, an right? An extra to payments send it. layer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then from there, once once we have really, uh, really frictionless Bitcoin payments, um, you know, current usage current sovereign usage of Bitcoin can be quite daunting. Uh, so it's actually really nice to have uh, an automated system like Urbit that can that can carry some of that uh, infrastructural load for you and let you let you use Bitcoin in a sovereign manner because you know we're definitely bound for more of the same if everyone holds their Bitcoin on Coinbase. Now you're you, you would describe yourself, I think, as a as a Bitcoin maximalist, roughly. Yeah. And don't don't Bitcoin max, maximalists basically say to never give Bitcoin, like never sell your Bitcoin. Oh yeah, don't. So so the idea of a Bitcoin wallet on Urbit, though, like it, it, it don't you expect a world where no one's going to be trading their Bitcoin because everyone is hodling? I mean, Bitcoin is in a slow process of monetization right now. You know, there there's you can endlessly hair split about what is money is bitcoin money sure okay so the common the common thesis is money is three things it's a store of value it's a medium of exchange and it's a unit of account so i would say bitcoin is definitely a speculative store of value right now it's a medium of exchange in that you can easily pay someone with it you get final settlement in 10 minutes or you can have instant uh instant settlement on lightning not final settlement but you know, instant payments with Lightning. And then really the only final component of that is, well, when is Bitcoin a good unit of account? When does it make sense to price things in Bitcoin? And that answer is roughly when when you think that there's a, a critical capital mass within uh, within Bitcoin uh, to to make it viable for for use beyond speculation. Okay. So do I think that uh, everyone should be like going out and paying for coffee and, you know, paying for Patreon to like today in Bitcoin. Like I would probably continue to use dollars, uh, for those use cases. I don't like to sell Bitcoin, um, or even think of selling it. Uh, right. but long-term, uh, those, as the price of Bitcoin increases, as the capital mass, uh, expands, those use cases will become less economically disadvantaged oh okay i see what you're saying so what when it when it reaches its stable yeah. true right level of value or yeah, price then exactly. people will exchange it exactly yeah. and, and at that point 
it makes sense to have all this infrastructure in place. Gotcha. gotcha. Uh, so, I mean, it, it's like you walk into the grocery store and you demand, uh, you know, to pay with Bitcoin. This was sort of, <laughs> this was the fallacious thinking that, you know, tr contributed to the uh, the fork wars with Bitcoin, the, uh -huh. blo the block size war, because some people said, oh, well, Bitcoin has to scale to be digital cash right now. Right. Uh, and I think that largely disregards a lot of, uh, a lot of good thinking on how currencies evolve and uh, come to come to adopt their properties. So Bitcoin, Bitcoin can be, uh, you know, it shapeshifts over time, obviously. So it it will the Bitcoin that will exist in 10 years when it's financialized and, you know, is, you know, a top a top five global currency um, will be very different than, you know, Bitcoin in uh, 2013, when just the mention of it is twee and sort of laughable. Totally. So, what's the what's the long term price of Bitcoin? Oh, not not financial advice. Not this is not financial <laughs> advice. Yeah, uh, this is financial advice. Bitcoin will be worth. Uh, I mean, I've I I used to say a million dollars, and at this point, you know, that's sort of much. That's sort of a layup. Um, <laughs> I think that that it's it's fair to estimate the the long term value of Bitcoin over $10 million or in the region between one and 10. But then it depends if the if fiat currencies hyperinflate, then dollars would cease to be a, a decent unit of account. And you would need to truly determine Bitcoin in terms of the purchasing power. Mm -hmm. So you know, at, you should map, you should start mapping Bitcoin to a basket of, mm -hmm. of goods that you consume. So you know, a rent a college education, uh, a car, uh, your the food the food that you eat in a month i mean what are what are those costs priced in bitcoin today what are those costs priced in bitcoin in uh in 20 years gotcha so one of the things i noticed so far is that earlier in the conversation you used the word striated to refer to the old financial <laughs> system and i noticed in our conversation before we started recording you referred to urbit ships as navigating a smooth space so I have to I have to press on this. I would love to hear your integrated Deleuzian theory uh, of uh, of crypto. Oh man, I mean Deleuze is just you know the it's the most fun sh thing to shit post. I'm kind of impressed on, by on, dropping on, this Deleuzian vocabulary. Well, so no, so take well, a moment to flush it out. Well, Let's say more about say more about. I mean that's actually a really interesting. I, I think I see exactly what you're talking about when you talk about this distinction, which is a Deleuzian d distinction. So draw it out a little bit. Help 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 listeners. Kind of think that through what is this difference between striated and smooth space so, and how does the crypto economy kind of materialize it sure so i would say our you know we live in a society where uh you know you can get all of your services turned off on a whim in other in delusing terms where uh ruptures uh signify <laughs> uh and so if we want to move to this sort of permissionless network space um, that has a, a signifying rupture where uh, where it doesn't matter if you know some one node doesn't want to talk to you because you have a thousand other nodes you can you can do business with. These are permissionless systems. They behave in rhizomatic manners. Uh, and you know I I haven't gone I, I I can't front too hard about you know my my uh, knowledge of base Deleuze, but you know that's that that's basically the gist is the there's a, a robustness um, where these systems really cling or they they wrap around the the incentives and the uh, organizational structures of 
of humanity and insinuate themselves into strange ways where if, if I had told you in, uh, you know, 2010 that Canadian oilmen would be uh, no longer interested in, you know, finishing that pipeline because they just say, oh, well, heck, we can we can burn the, the natural gas on site and use it to mine Bitcoin, and use it as a, a data pipeline. I mean, this is uh, this is where. Uh, Bitcoin is basically, you know, working its way out into the world, and I guess to to drop another Deleuze word, it's deterritorializing uh, energy across across the globe. Definitely, and as Deleuze and Guattari like to say, you know, what deterritorializes with one hand, reterritorializes with the other. Right. So we we are all mm -hmm. that. That's why we say like homestead urban. Find find your uh, you know your you're a uh, a piece of seaweed floating cling to the find a rock to cling to it could be your it could be your urbit server it can be your bitcoin private key what i what i think is really interesting about the the delizian distinction here between deterritorializing and reterritorializing is the fact that if urbit were to take off like bitcoin is taking off in this what seems to be like a kind of unstoppable exponential nonlinear dynamic then at the termination or endpoint of that process the system lock-in will be incredibly strong in a way that will have a kind of political flavor let's call it mm -hmm. that will feel constraining yes it will it will be locked in but, absolutely but in the early days that we're in now it's this wild wild west smooth space as you yeah. put it of 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 just green field open green field yeah. relatively low cost it's wide open for the taking. Sure. And I think that's what's a lot of people, you know, often ask me about, you know, like what's all this Deleuze gobbledygook about, you know, it, does, it, it like doesn't seem to map onto real things for a lot of people. That's how they see it. Mm -hmm. But I actually, I actually think the, the crypto world and the, this whole kind of new um, vast space that we're entering right now as a civilization is some of the best testing ground for, for these types of terms and concepts, because that's exactly what I think they're talking about right. when, when they talk about this, it's like right now, crypto is, the wild west a space of almost unlimited wildness and creativity and freedom and right. speculation and just undetermined possibility but if it's if it, if it's what it looks like yeah. it won't be for it, long right i mean it it will be unfortunately or perhaps fortunately uh you know an an ironclad system in the future that is you know perhaps as unimpeachable as you know capital itself to have a to have a global cost of credit where a you know a, a satoshi uh the interest rate on satoshis is the same in uh, ethiopia as it is on uh madison avenue you know that's that's uh an incredibly deterritorializing force right suddenly right. uh it's like oh the your um <laughs> Whatever whatever business you're having is like oh well how is it uh, competitive in the international economy, uh, so obviously I I wouldn't be sitting here uh, you know shilling Bitcoin or sitting there shilling Bitcoin uh, <laughs> if I didn't think that the the good effects of sound money didn't didn't outweigh the potential the potential danger of completely giving ourselves over to the techno capital singularity of Bitcoin. But, you know, it, it, uh, it will certainly have a heavy shock. I mean, there's, there's just going to be 
a there's going to be a temporary a Bitcoin recession for sure. Uh, if if you know we're in this uh, the the Weimar moment, everyone loves to go on and on about that. But you know there's something is clearly uh, coming, and if we suddenly have a, you know competitive a competitive price for capital. Uh, well, there's a lot of zombie companies out there, and uh, those zombie companies have a lot of people uh, pay a lot of people to do, you know, the the bullshit jobs. Uh, so, what do all those people do? Um, UBI is going to be hard to work out uh, because Bitcoin is extremely hard to expropriate. It's designed to, you know, be, uh, you know, stored in your brain if if need be, and uh, extremely designed for maximum unconfiscatability. So, but on the other hand, I think different types of arrangements such as income sharing agreements and those types right. of more creative ways of redistributing income to each other and right. sharing sharing a stake in each other's projects. I think that's also going to become way more developed. So, of course. And it, and I'm optimistic yeah. about all of that to be clear. And that that but that's going to have a kind of UBI flavor, I think. Like that's going to have redistributive implications as it gets cheaper and easier to share basically. Sure. I mean, I'm I'm certainly not into Bitcoin because I, you know, am a Randian. Uh, <laughs> I I know that some Bitcoiners, you know, they they talk about the Citadel, which is, I guess, the Bitcoin synonym for Galt's Gulch. Um, but remind me, it's been a long. I actually uh, read all the Ayn uh, Rand uh, books in high school, uh, but like, I don't remember everything. <laughs> like where like where all the successful productive capitalists go to, uh, you know, escape the the world that just wants to tax them. I see. Um, I see. So. I mean, I, I do hope that basically the the outcome of Bitcoin is that money is no longer a uh, a slanted medium. My perception is that the crypto world is way more ideologically complex than people think. It's not all like anarcho-capitalist libertarian types. And in fact, I forget who it was last night, but there, there was when we were at this Urban meetup, uh, there were two people saying like, jokingly in a conversation afterwards describing themselves as communists i think like you actually see a lot of people with very diverse uh sometimes extreme uh ideological preferences in all different types of directions you know uh, barrett was telling me like cody wilson identifies as a marxist i, I don't want to speak <laughs> for cody i don't know him but um you see these interesting types of inflections in ideology i don't know if you've ever observed that also or yeah i i think so i mean i think that within the bitcoin community uh a truly wonderful people who do actually care quite quite a great deal for one another and uh also uh promulgate a very high ethical standard within the community so i i don't think it's totally craven we're not just trying to you know boil the ocean and uh you know uh have have uh you know what whatever whatever uh naughty conversations there are to be had on urbit it's there there are there are positive effects to this. right your twitter profile says you're fighting techno satan uh yeah what is techno satan uh techno satan i mean demons are real man <laughs> uh and how do they manifest uh on on uh centralized databases that... it's kind of a meme to talk about current institutions as demonic or uh satanic how literal do you take that and how much of that is uh kind of playing words for you uh i mean i I believe I believe in it. <laughs> Do you believe that all of mainstream institutionalized society is literally a satanic cult on some level? I mean, I I don't think they're organized enough to be a cult, but I I think that you know how does you know 
if you're if you're an elite, you know, you're not exactly going out of your way. You're not you're not tripping on yourself to turn off the money spigot. Uh, Cantillon Insiders would would seek to preserve that privilege. Right on. So I actually noticed that in the urban community, it sure seems like as a social scientist, my sense is there's a clearly uh, statistically significant disproportionate presence of Christians. Am I right in sensing that? That's probably accurate. Yeah. What do you make of that? What do you think that means? Or what does that reflect? Uh, I mean, maybe maybe you could take the easy thing that's just like, well, they're Christian ethics uh, applied to computing probably, you know, means just apply the golden rule to uh, <laughs> to someone's someone else's data, you know, don't don't, uh, you know, mm. don't striate me, bro. <laughs> well, but the, the peculiarity there is that the founder of Urbit wasn't a Christian. Yeah. So it's kind of peculiar, isn't it? I mean, yeah, the, you know, Satoshi, Satoshi didn't, you know, profess a, a religion either. Well, you know what I think, honestly, the fact that the founder was not Christian, and the fact that we also see a disproportionate presence of Christians in Urbit, what that says to me, honestly, is it makes me increase my estimation of Urbit because what, what that says to me is that that's an indication that Urbit is true. Like Urbit detects something true because Christians in a way, what they're, what Christians are really dedicated to, I believe in the long run is, is the truth. Not that they have the truth or something like that. Something's arrogant or stupid like that, but there's a real truth seeking drive in Christianity. There's this, this strong uh, kind of ethics, this imperative to, not only seek the truth, but to always follow the truth, and 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 and, and yeah, to express the truth. Uh, you know, the concept that this that the truth will let you, will set you free. That I think is very important. And what that says to me is that we, like we live in this world nowadays where people socially coordinate around all different types of shelling points, right? And people will maybe all do a certain thing because it, it's it's the high status thing to do, or people will do a certain thing because it gets them money, right? But one of the best shelling points ever probably the the shelling point of all shelling points is the truth itself. And it, this is very interesting to me because when you see smart, interesting people gathering around something where no one's clearly making any money off of it in the short term, there's not a clear kind of practical instrumental gain to anyone in the short term, but you have smart, interesting, creative people who are choosing to rally around it, choosing to work on it. That's often a good indication that there's something true going on there. And when I notice that a disproportionate number of them are Christians also, that makes me think I'm extra bullish on there is something tr fundamentally true here. And mm -hmm. as a Christian, I believe the truth always wins in the long run. It must win in the long run. Sure. I really do believe that. And the fact that the founder was not even Christian to well, me well, says all the more that it's not because it's some sort of like Christian organization. Yeah. It's obviously not, but it's because Christians go to where the truth is, even if it's unpopular and they believe in it and they're committed to it. That makes me more convinced that Urbit is, is the truth. Well, uh, Curtis is Jewish and Jesus was Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, but I, I think that there is, um, uh, a definitely you're onto something there. Might be crazy, where, where, but... No, where, um, it, it mimics perhaps the evolution of ancient religions to, uh, coordinate an idea of logos that was then reified in christianity and so even if uh even if it's uh not exactly the thing at first it it's it's sort of the the target what what is ultimately uh attempting to be reified are there any other 
interesting or crazy philosophical ideas you kind of associate with all of this? Um, Not to put you on the spot. You don't have to no, have an answer, but uh, opening it up if you wanted to. I mean, th there's, you know, the, the sort of obvious like, crypto libertarian, crypto anarchist uh, right. strains through all of this. Where do you see this going uh, in the or, super or, long or, run? Or, or now, like, we're finding, you know, crypto monarchists. I think, you know, we all we all refer to each other as king nowadays. True. That's interesting. I never really made that connection, it's actually. A, it's, I mean, I think people want, I think people uh, are not to pathologize, but I think we're fed up with the cheapness of modernity. And uh, we seek uh, magnet, uh, magnanimity. <laughs> and uh, we, we want to... Uh, we want to have, uh, you know, the gift exchange and not the, uh, and not just cheap transaction. Man, after my podcast with Josh Lehman the other night, I was thinking I really want to buy a star. Now we're talking, I'm thinking I need to buy a galaxy. <laughs> what do they go for anyway? Uh, well, about 1.5 million as of the last, uh, as of the last sale. Uh, how, how often do they sell? Infrequently. How many are currently owned at all? Uh, well, they're all owned. Right, by Tlon, by default. Oh, you mean how many owners are there? I guess, yeah. I, I believe uh, there's 256 galaxies, otherwise uh, known as 2 to the 8. Um, uh, and those are distributed, I believe, between approximately 90 holders. Okay, so other than Tlon, about twenty people, own, uh, 90 people own galaxies. Uh, about that. So these people are like banking on being the actual kings of i mean <laughs> no i i can't say that some some are yes um more like the senators in the republic some, of urban some, some yeah. have invested but the the honest history is that curtis was working on urbit for a very long time uh a very long time you know upwards of a decade and people would help him on this project over time and then most of them are, are no longer really around but he would deed address space to them for their for their early contributions and so those are those are the majority of galaxy holders early people who were willing to i don't know take take the time to bootstrap this this thing something i was thinking about the other day is that what a lot of people say about urbit is they say it's too crazy it's too weird it's never going to take off I actually think there are good reasons to think it could take off even with mass adoption. But what I was thinking also the other day is that Urbit could be really cool and valuable and interesting and, and really worth being on and participating in, even if it doesn't hit mass adoption. Sure. You know, like you, you only need so many people for it to be really valuable and thriving and interesting and, and worthwhile. And so I think like the, the speculations around like what causes mass adoption, is it feasible? Is it viable? Is this going to scale? Is it going to take over the internet? It's kind of, you know, it's interesting questions. But honestly, I think there's a much more realistic case to be made that it's just like, even if it just slowly grows mm -hmm. over the next several years, and maybe there's just like, you know, in the, let's say like high tens of thousands of people on there or something like that. Mm -hmm. And even if it were to plateau at that or max out at that, it could still be like fire. <laughs> it could be, it could still be awesome, right? Yeah. I and, mean, it, yeah. I, Tlon has been developing Urbit to be useful for us in the day to day. So, you know, you can, the utopia is now, <laughs> uh, right. you, you can, you can get on and do things on Urbit today, have a, have a fun, happy time. Uh, of course, because it's a network and, you know, Metcalf's law or whatever, you know, there is 
exponential value to right. to having more people join. And I would say my my back of the envelope calculation is that a similar a similar thing will happen uh, with Bitcoin as with Urbit, which is the minority rule dynamic of why is all lemonade kosher if Jews are you know what is it a, a one to three percent of the U.S. population, uh, and it's because they're they're the intolerant minority. They they won't drink non-kosher lemonade, but uh, others uh, others don't mind it. Right. The the Gentiles the Gentiles can have kosher. So um, you wind up with a situation where everyone everything in the grocery store is kosher. So you see that being so, relevant for Urbit because it- so so some people some people. Uh, you know, all of your all of your smart and beautiful listeners are, uh, you know, they they're more likely to demand privacy, financial uh, sovereignty, uh, and you know, equity in whatever system they're they're trying to use. And they will be the types who will say, "Well, I'm simply not no." Now that Urbit exists, I'm no longer willing to make uh you know to sign an, a user agreement of Google. And you know, hand them my hand them my blood to uh, to access the other region of the internet. I, I can I can make do on Urbit. Um, and more and more people out there, the normies, uh, the people in the matrix, <laughs> the the blue pilled legions, uh, will will say, oh well. You know there is some some interesting thing that I'm trying to find out about on oh but but I can only find out about it if I apparently uh, go boot a personal server called Urbit. Yeah, it's fascinating. Or it's like it's like uh you know the Bitcoin version is uh you know your your money is no good here no no uh, itchy and scratchy money accepted. <laughs> so how do you think about Urbit for creators? Because I think this is something that the Urbit messaging is increasingly kind of centering around framing Urbit as a place for communities, for groups, possibly for creators to kind of bring their communities and for people to, you know, create content on Urbit. Sure. I know this is something Urbit is thinking a lot about. You know, there are, I think there are a lot of people in my audience who are creators. And I mean, I have to say after my last podcast with Josh from Urbit, got a lot of feedback. A lot of people reached out and they were asking, oh, should I get on here? Should I do this? Should yeah. I do that? I'm curious because it, at its current state of development, yeah, yeah. it's not Let's necessarily not... super exciting or useful sure. for everyone. So how sure. do you think about um, Urbit for creators specifically? Like what types of people do, do you think should be really getting on there, playing around with it? And what types of people maybe shouldn't right now? Or like, sure. how do you make that pitch to creators who are curious about this? Sure. I would say, you know, not to hype yeah. Urbit because Urbit is, we have a, a culture of basically don't hype Urbit, mm. let let it unfold as it may. Totally. Um, I, I can speak concretely to some of the, the features that Urbit will have over, you know, this, uh, over probably the next year or two. Okay. And so, you know, host uh, whatever media you make on your Urbit, share it with people, gate access to it uh, in behind, you know, a paywall or something. So... This is Urbit Patreon, Urbit Substack, Urbit Gumroad, Urbit uh, Bandcamp. Uh, these are these are th- applications that are basically, from a development standpoint, uh, 
sort of layups at this point because we'll have the Bitcoin wallet. Um, heck, we'll, we may even uh, eventually get you know a fiat wallet because why not? Um, and you can uh, you know make those those pieces of media that you create or whatever discussions you host, etc. Your the thing can be can be uploaded to Urbit and distributed to Urbit because it's a server. So this is, I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot to do in one or two years. So that's exciting. So that sounds like a, a fairly accelerated roadmap in terms of features sure. for Urbit. Well, is that fair to say? Yeah. So I, I would say Urbit is um, the ultimate low time preference project because it was so much upfront work of basically re-architecting internet protocols, like mm -hmm. throw throw everything away except for uh, UDP and ASCII. Uh, so everything else will we will remake. We will start with a mathematical definition of a computer that can eventually be etched onto a chip, so you can have you know an Urbit brand computer or something like that. Um, you don't have to run it on top of Unix as you currently do. Um, so that took so much work that happened over the last, you know, o over a decade. And now because the work was done, the hard work was done, uh, the, the application space is extremely like relatively easy to, to build an application and deploy it at scale because you're no longer administrating everyone's data. Yeah. You're. So, you know, Facebook has to own entire stables of database engineers because they're holding the, the, the digital lives of billions of people. I think this is a really important point. I think people don't get this. I think people there's, are sleeping on this because I have a lot of friends who are developers, like legit engineers in, in, in indie thinkers or in my Discord server or whatever, who one of the most common critiques I hear of Urbit from people who don't really get it or are kind of on the outside. And this is often very, very smart people who are interested in visionary ideas, very open-minded and the very skilled engineers. What people always say is I would never mess around with this because it's too hard to learn all of these arcane rules. It's, 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 it's going to take too much time and effort. Uh, and this is not, people will say things to that effect. Like this is not realistic for developers to get involved in this ecosystem. And I think it is not at all understood that all of the, all of the groundwork that's gone into it. And a lot of the arcane weird seeming things is really all about producing this new type of, envi of environment where if you can just learn the new language or whatever, then the new conventions from there, it's way faster than right. anything else. Like right. this is what I got from, um, Logan's talk right. last night that it's like, once you're up and running and developing in orbit, you can make badass shit really quick. That's super functional and, and yes. powerful is my understanding is, and I, that, that clicked for me in a way that Correct. I didn't really appreciate. Correct. I mean, it is, it scales linearly because it, to scale the Urbit network, just spin up more instances of the Urbit operating system for, for new people that join. Uh, so, uh, I mean, I won't put a, I won't try to make such a bombastic statement, but we do believe that one, you know, one Hooner, one committed fi fiery Hooner, uh, Hoon engineer, that's our programming language, uh, can essentially accomplish the work of uh, what currently takes a, a whole team. So, so help me understand something, which is that I'm trying to think through like 
if I were to go on to Urbit and build a group, build my community, let's say I, let's say I even, you know, maybe I became super bullish on Urbit and I was like, you know what? I want to go all in on this early. I'm going to like close down my Patreon, close down my discord. And I'm just going to set up shop on Urbit. And let's say I, I brought all my people into an Urbit group. Could I, as an individual, create like custom experiences and interfaces like just for my group or am I, am I writing code and pushing that to Urbit? Or how do, yeah. like how yes. does that work? What's the yes. distinction there? Yes to either. You can do either. You can do either. So, Urbit is designed to be you know a basic. We say just a computer, mm-hmm. right? So this computer can run Landscape, which is the user space, the little suite of applications that Talon has built. It can also run any piece of third-party software. Um, so if you want to write third-party software for Urbit. Write it. If you want to reimagine, you know, what, you know, an interface should look like, you know, Urbit is infinitely custom. It is, and it is also extensible. So you can parlay it into whatever, uh, whatever system, whatever uh, space you, you want it to look like. So I can, I can write code that and, modifies the experience of like the people in my group only. Sure. Okay. Sure. I mean, in it, as long as it, like can run on Arvo, uh, which is the, the operating system. Uh, you know, you can you can distribute software to people. In fact, the Urbit network is designed to make this sort of software distribution extremely easy. This is why this is why it is a low maintenance, low cost server because you can subscribe to you know updates. Uh, you know, new software from whatever, whatever developers you trust. Yeah. It's fascinating. It's so it's it's very intriguing. It's like taking the, the burden of system administration uh, off individual organizations and letting there be several, uh, you know, hyper qualified uh, administrators, you know, develop, develop this stuff. Right. Yeah. It makes me, it makes me kind of interested in that aspect of it because it's like, I actually, I know a little bit of coding. I've done different types of things, but I'm definitely not, not skilled or advanced whatsoever, but I, I have what it takes. Like I know the, I know basics and I know I'm smart enough and capable of learning some, some new tricks if I wanted to. And so it's like, I've never really been able to explore that or develop that because I've had to specialize in, you know, what I'm doing. But the, the idea of if, if it is really so relatively quick and easy to do these sorts of things, then I, I could even imagine a world where possibly, you know, if I were to go all in on Urbit. Uh, someone like me, maybe, I don't know, maybe this is not realistic, but m- maybe someone like me could even learn Hoon and actually be able to make non-trivial stuff for my world, for my, my for my experience, but also for, for my people and my networks. You think that's plausible? Why not? C- come, well, I don't come, know how sophisticated that, that would be to do. Come and Hoon it. Well, it, I'll tell you one thing, uh, and Urbit, uh, Urbit's language, Hoon, intentionally disregards most conventions of traditional software. So we do this to shock people into realizing, well, oh, this is actually a completely different in- internet. I mean, it's basic stuff like having, you know, weird words that get us accusations of being an art project mm. or or things like uh, my favorite, my personal favorite is the inversion of the Boolean values. I feel like that's the thing that developers hate on the most. No, I yeah. I, 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 think that that's the most critical thing and I'll leave the project really? if it changes. Why um, do you think that? No, I, I, I like it. It's a- As a troll or just, like, what do you like about it? To, to tell people in, on Urbit, uh, 
zero is true and one is false. Right. So it 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 tells you it's it's a symbolic reminder that this is this is not the old internet. Yeah. This yeah. is this is a new radically distilled set of protocols. All right. That is that is human scale. All right. Well, I think we covered a lot of ground. I don't want to, you know, tax you too much. No, that's all right. You, you uh, dealt gracefully with some difficult questions, including even some uh, surprise Delizian <laughs> quizzing there. So I'm, I'm very impressed. Uh, but I like to kind of close it off with a couple sure. informal ones. One question I often like to ask people is I'm curious if there's anyone out there on the on the Internet who's maybe a really good poster who you think is really interesting or cool, who maybe uh, most people don't know about anyone you want to give a shout out to as a particularly interesting or cool person. It could be anywhere. Oh, it could man. be on urban. It could be on Twitter. It could be just uh, who's, who's make, something or someone you like. The, the, play me, make me play the favorites game. No, no, just no, anyone I mean, who comes to mind look, that I my mean, audience might not already know about. I mean, basically I, the reason why I came to, uh, to, uh, urban and Bitcoin is because it's you know this gigantic merry band of of people who are on a, a mission to to radically change the way uh, things work, how how these uh, cybernetic systems machinate over us um, and through us. So I I think that everyone in this community is I would say intensely uh, optimistic and um, and thoughtful about that future. And they're they're who I like to surround myself with. Um, I I'm hesitant to sh to share a specific name because they're really by and large all all like that. Fair um, enough. And and without you know saying that's not to say that everyone is wantonly idealistic. I think most most people are very rational and, and pragmatist about the things that are being built. Um, and uh, we're we're trying. You know, we're we're out for scalps, right? So we have we have a, a very large uh, vampiric squid at the other end of the table that we're that we're gunning for. So uh, you know it it's a uh, since joining Bitcoin, I, I have felt a, a certain a sense of mission parity with with all these good people. So yeah. if you're if you're into Bitcoin or Urbit. Uh, Get in touch with me. Um, I put or, some, or I put some like, links in the show notes. So if you want to yeah, follow like, up like with Christian, get get out there. Um, uh, uh, the the tendies are warm and inviting, <laughs> um, but uh, you know you can uh, you can come to uh, an urban meetup or uh, dude, I had a, so much or, fun last night. Or, honestly, or a Bitcoin meetup. I was seriously really. I was already getting bullish on Urbit, and the the energy and the, the just the vibe last night was really impressive. I was really surprised honestly pleasantly and it makes me more bullish on urban right. like all i i feel like there are all these different little subtle indicators that to me are pointing in the direction of like huh maybe urban really is like bitcoin in 2010 yeah. or something like that and maybe sure. that's like maybe this is where i want to be you know throwing my weight well uh, yeah absolutely reminder to everyone a, a scold if i could close with this gold or, or you have other questions but um you no, know we're trying to uh, basically wrap it up i uh, think you so. know yeah i the he one of the heaviest sins is despair so mm. uh you know you should you should believe that you know something something better could be done that's right despair is a sin that's right despair despair is like uh, actually unforgivable it is people have to remember that it's often it's often it's often easy to forget that it's like stop dooming stop stop dooming and uh you know Come. Believe and believe in something good yeah. and true. Yeah, I I totally I totally believe that, and it does look like increasingly 
the weirder the weirder you are combined with the your ability to genuinely place bets on things that seem good and true to your independent judgment it seems like those are the people who are winning the biggest you know it's like yeah. the people that were like yeah. super yeah. early on bitcoin like yeah. think about what that means to be super early yeah. on bitcoin basically it means like almost by definition you don't care what other people yeah. think you, almost by definition you're genuinely independently looking for the most promising interesting novel discovery and those people are now the being handsomely rewarded in general i think that i think bitcoin is just a, a, a strong dramatization of this principle but i think that there's something deeper and more general about that that principle that i think you're seeing more and more it has something to do with power laws it has something to do with the noise in kind of the contemporary modern world and and the payoff to finding signal in the noise yeah and you know um so i think there's a more general abstract model yeah. to be to be explained there but to yeah. me, that is the big upshot. It's it's an asymmetric bet, as Bitcoiners like to say. You know, every every economist reader represents uh, one billion dollars worth of market cap <laughs> that Bitcoin can can uh, absorb. Yeah. All right. Now I now I got to figure out how to get a galaxy. Anyone out there want to buy a galaxy? Let me know. Uh, yeah. we'll, we'll work something out. Yeah. Hook your man up. Uh, but more seriously, if anyone is interested in playing around with Urbit, kicking the wheels on it, or finding out you know, more seriously about any of it, I put some links in the show notes. Um, there is a link. It's not an affiliate link, but it's uh, from me. It'll help you skip the line if you want to get hosted Urbit so you don't have to mess around with any of the any of the terminal or anything like that. You can check that out through mm -hmm. a link in the show notes. Mm -hmm. I am on Urbit, by the way, so you can hit me up, but I, I have too much other stuff going on. So at the moment, I'm... I'm not like super active, but if you send me a DM on Urbit, I will see it. Um, um, but I'm not like super active on there. So I'm not, you know, uh, telling you to get on Urbit and come hang out with me because I, I can't say honestly that I'm on there very much at the moment. But I am as I become increasingly interested intellectually and socially and more and more kind of fascinated and, and intrigued by Urbit. I'll tell you, I can tell you uh, real quickly, briefly that I'm kind of toying with the idea of some kind of possibly significant reconfiguration of my various web properties. Cause basically, I mean, you might find this interesting. It's just like, I am running way too many different things and it sucks. It's such a grind. It's so mm -hmm. tedious managing all these different yeah. websites. And this is the problem Urbit is trying to solve. Yeah. So it's like the fact that I'm in my own personal life as a creator, having serious pain, trying to manage all these different websites. My community is like kind of uh, striated across these like different um, obstacles yeah. and different different uh, logins. It's it's chaotic. It's really suboptimal for me. It's really suboptimal for my community and people who wanna you know work on the things I'm working on with me and, and around me or whatever. So it's like, the, it's, it's almost eerie, honestly, how the problems I'm really genuinely suffering from as a creator are exactly the problems that Urbit is, has this kind of dark horse long shot stab at trying to solve in one fell swoop to me that like really speaks to me and i'm like shit man maybe i i should find a way to like really make a major bet on this and 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 consolidate all my other chaotic things maybe there is some near future possibly where i go all in on urbit somehow yeah. and 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 really make it the the maybe it could i feel like if urbit yeah. is has a genuine use case um for creators in particular i'm i'm probably going to be 
one of the types of people who could actually make that work sooner than later, sure. just because I'm already urban adjacent. My right. audience, my audience is urban adjacent. Mm-hmm. And as I said, I'm like literally struggling. I'm struggling with these problems that urban's trying to solve. So, so stay tuned. I'm not sure exactly what yeah. I'm going to do. I don't want to tell my audience go on urban, hang out with me there. I'm not, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. Um, so I will let you know though, I, I am thinking about it. And if you want to go kick the wheels, you know, there's a link in the show yeah. notes. If, if you want a digital homestead out of the box, Get on Urbit in 12 months. If you want to help build a digital homestead, uh, mm. get on Urbit now. And That's a good way know, to put it. And, and apply. And if you're a developer, I encourage you to look at grants, uh, Ur- the Urbit Grants Program run by the Urbit Foundation. Uh, we will we will compensate you because we are trying to you know fling this address space uh, far and wide. Uh, so we want to increase the number of stakeholders in the network. So, and if you come, are come if, do development work, and and we will give you Urbit stars. That's right. And if you are, if you happen to be the the Pope of the Roman Catholic Church, uh, that maybe a galaxy might be something that you want to obtain for the church. Is this something you've thought about? I I I think that um, there would be several galaxy holders who would be happy to avail their galaxies to the to the church. I feel like if I was the Pope, if I was you know the president of a country, if I was maybe just in general. You know what? If I was like a super left wing person and thought Urbit was, you know, uh, maybe maybe politically risky to me, all of these types of people should probably want to buy galaxies to hedge, right? It's it's a good option. I, I mean, it's 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 a way. It's hard to short Google and Facebook when the Fed is just printing money uh, every every damn day. But you can you can take this as a you know an option on. Uh, on their failure. Not financial advice. Not financial advice. Pope, I'm sure you have your own financial advisors, I hope. So, um, yeah, no, but I, I, it's very interesting. I could see many weird dynamics where, like, even if you don't like Urbit, it's kind of like Bitcoin, right? There's, like, at a certain point, even if, yeah. you, even if you're skeptical, even if you don't like it for some ideological or artistic the, reason, yeah. there's still strong incentives for you to get on board, the, if only as a hedge, the, against the, what you supposedly the, don't like. The classic line, the classic Bitcoin line is it might make sense to get some just in case <laughs> it catches on. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. The same could be said for Urbit, which is very interesting. And yeah, so thank you for the work that you do, Christian. Oh, this you. was really Th- fun. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. Totally. It was a pleasure to meet you. I always have a, a special place in my heart for, you know, provocateurs and people, people who um, suddenly, you know, find themselves on the internet yeah. for, for some authentic stroke of genius that came oh, to them well, unplanned. The, the, it's the meme magic, I guess. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And also um, the final question I like to always hit people with, well, sometimes I forget to do it. I haven't done yeah. it in a while, but um, you know, is there anything that I can help you with or anything that my listeners uh, can help you with in any way at all? Oh man. Well, uh, I mean, you. I think you just did. <laughs> so, so thank you. Um, anything you're well, struggling with personally, personal goals you're working on, any, anything, hmm, anything we can uh, do for you? Well, uh, uh, <laughs> remind people to you know be be, be good to one another. Uh, I don't know the the year of COVID was uh, it brought out a lot of dark. I think uh, satanic psych, psych, yes. psychology. Yes, and um, you know I. It, it's rather disturbing to see, you know, like maybe you understand why why authoritarianism or something like that. I think we, you know, being born in the 90s, you just think, you know, you when you <laughs> go to go to school, you're you're uh, the authoritarian mind is othered and uh, you you may not realize, uh, you know, how how 
it how much to what extent it, it still like dwells dwells within everyone so uh yeah be good to each be, other be, be be kind heck yeah be, be kind Lo- love your neighbor this is fun man that's as nice a parting message as i could have hoped for like, oh and final message read moby dick <laughs> read moby dick <laughs> and listen to the perfume nationalist <laughs> all right shout out okay. shout out to okay yeah to that, jack that, that was my shout out yeah he's in austin I, i'm sure i'll meet him eventually i'll I'm, get him on the podcast eventually but oh yeah and um and john mouse and ariel pink if you're out there and listening um we're planning an urbit conference uh would you would you do a show for us? <laughs> All right, there you go. We, we, I, we, I think we can get this into their hands. If they if they don't fuck with the show already, who knows? Maybe they do. I don't know. I know Barrett's good friends with them, but I, I would, we'll see. I would love nothing more. Well, there you go. Uh, the call is out. We'll see if we can we'll see if we can make that happen. But Christian, thanks for this. This is awesome. Yeah, thank you. Jason. And uh, yeah, long live Bitcoin. Long live Urbit. Uh, <laughs> dude, I'm I'm pumped, man. There's something in the air. I may I don't know if it's being in Austin or what. You know, meeting people like you everywhere I go, it's like. I'm a believer, man. I don't know where it's all going, but it's like things are changing rapidly. And it's like you're either going to be with this change or you're going to be left behind by it. And honestly, I do increasingly think of this through a Christian lens. Like I kind of I, I kind of fear for the people who who are going to be the 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 most stubborn deniers, the scoffers and the mockers. <laughs> I fear for them. I really yeah. do fear for them. They... I, I really is increasingly taking on apocalyptic tones for me in the way that i see it so i pray for you all yeah. i pray for you christian thank you listeners like, watchers thank likewise. you for hanging out as always yes, yes keep keep us in your prayers yeah um, all right very good thank you later everyone we're out ciao, ciao.